Oh my gosh. Hi. How are you? Good. I finished up my notes this afternoon. I finished my notes up right before here. Lovely. <laughs> on brand. Yeah. But you know what? What's not on brand? We're recording two days before this drops. I know. Which has not been on brand for us in the last month, month and a half. Correct. So this Seeing is a pretty good win. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we're doing great. I would give us at least a B minus. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. Um, hmm. Well, again, <laughs> I have a not hysterical topic, but it, it branched off the discussion we had during the last episode where you okay. were, we like realized that yes, Native Americans mm. had slaves. Um, okay. I had a couple of people ask me about that. They also didn't know. So that's exciting. Yeah. So it's actually going to be a two-parter. Um, so I'm going to start with half of the story this week and then half next week. So it's kind of going to detail how Native Americans got involved in slavery and how they actually had what you would refer to as slaves prior to the colonist even landing. Mm, I don't think we've had a two-parter in like a very long time. No, but it also details how they themselves became slaves and participated in the slave trade. So there's a lot going on. It was very complex, I realized, as I started reading it, um, but very interesting. I don't think this probably gets taught really anywhere in school so probably not um mine is about i decided to do the miranda rights oh (laughs) so both of these are not hysterical i'm sure we'll make it funny because that's just on brand for us but we find we try to find humor where we can so um i guess (laughs) do you want to start with slavery or do you want to start with people going to jail without knowing their rights <laughs> well hmm, that's a tough one those are both very <laughs> joyous topics um we, we should like re- change our name not really we're not going to change our podcast name but i feel like no, it should be it more like digestible history because <laughs> that's Ooh, really what we do that is that is what our name should have been um maybe, maybe we can do a rebrand at yeah, some point or maybe that can be like a Maybe we can just come up with another account. No, because we already have like six other store like uh, shows we want to do. Yeah, and we can barely do this one. So let's let's take our time here. <laughs> well, do you want to just go fun. in like his uh, like historical order and go yours first? You mean Miranda rights were not created in the 1600s, Emily? I'm done with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can do that. Um, this is why your attic was the pits of hell. Yeah, for that right there. <laughs> it's hot. It's like ninety five today, um, and I'm sure it's probably a one hundred and five in your attic. Probably, yeah. Are you, if I don't pass out before the end of this, it'll be a miracle. Is it cooling down though? Now that you've it is whatever it was you did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. I changed okay. the dampers in the basement. Oh, look at you. Yeah, fun. Do you frequent Home Depot and Lowe's? Uh, only Lowe's. Only Lowe's. Lowe's for pros. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Lowe's gal. Um, (laughs) All right. So, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about slavery and Native Americans. Why not? Super fun. So hysterical. Okay. Let's go. Funny. We're going to laugh so hard at this one. Um, (laughs) We will because we have anxiety. (laughs) I know. That's that's true. Okay. So as teed up last week... Native Americans, yes, did have slaves. Mm. And actually, their form of slavery, like their initial form of slavery, started before Europeans even arrived in the region in the 1600s. So okay, it, it was more so of like, I guess if you think about like medieval history and you think like people would be taken and put in servitude, even though they were the same race, um, technically race, like but different probably cultural group or identity group or different town, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the Native Americans had initially. It was more so servitude, not the slavery we know now that it's based on race. Gotcha. So, like, okay. 
essentially like it would be for a variety of different reasons but like for example like somebody staked themselves in a gamble and they lost and they're like oh well you know i'm a gambling man i gambled my life and now i'm a slave um what that's just an example that's the example the article but, gave uh, right but i'm i'm uh, rewind uh <laughs> people would gamble themselves okay let's not read too far into this example it's a weird example i just want to say <laughs> like follow-up number three so not next week's part two I, but i'm losing track of follow-ups that. here um, i'm so confused but basically like they did something wrong or wrong the tribe or another person in some way and like their punishment is a life of servitude um which then and wasn't like referred to as slavery it was just like servitude yeah servitude. indentured servant yeah exactly mm -hmm. um and another example is like this is probably a better example i don't know why they let off with this the weird like i gambled myself away uh <laughs> uh, for the shock and awe because yeah i guess. guess what it worked it did uh but more likely is probably some kind of like tribal war the victorious tribe would take mm, mm -hmm, turbans mm -hmm. from which that is a much more realistic example moving on i mean maybe the other one is more realistic and we just lost our way with gambling ourselves and our our livelihoods yeah now we just use money how foolish I mean, money is just a made up construct anyway. That's true. We're going to get too deep into this weird rabbit hole. We can move <laughs> on. <laughs> so the slavery model, though, changed after the arrival of Christopher Columbus in the West Indies in 1492 and then the Portuguese in 1500. So as it does, you know, this man who we celebrate by having a holiday, which is changing, which is great. Because the God more bless. you read about this person, you're like, oh, my God. The worse he is. Exactly. No, I mean, he kidnapped Native Americans and brought them back to Spain as slaves on his very first voyage. Like, his first voyage, he just took people and he's like, all right, this is fine. And he wasn't and then, even in the right place. Let's just, not that you should kidnap anybody and take them anywhere, <laughs> but you weren't even in the right place. Yes. <laughs> He needed Sir. a win there, though. So he was like, oh, you know what? Slaves. No, um, but he also lied and was like, I did make it to India. You didn't. <laughs> well, on the second trip that he made to the New World, he ended up sending back over 500 Native Americans to be used as slaves in Spain. Well, that's not a mistake. No. Um, so as early as that, the transatlantic slave trade was established. So okay. yeah, okay. not shocking, okay. you know, real, real quick. Yes. European goes over, sees people, says, you know what I should do? I should ship them to a different part of the world and sell them. And that's what happens. We're really shit people. Yep. So <laughs> 1500s, here we are. We already established, you know, the second we could cross the sea, we decided we wanted to use it for a terrible purpose. Oh, awesome. God, my brain hurts already. So then we have so like jump into the 1600s like a century later you know we have the landing at jamestown so now we're bringing in these white terrible europeans with who, smallpox yes we'll get to that and how disease factors into the value of native americans as slaves later on and oh, how that Lord. actually shifts to <laughs> nuki this is why we should put this on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Anyways, sorry, everybody. My cat walked across my keyboard. People ask me all the time, are you on YouTube? Like, I'd love to see you guys do this. This right here is why people this want to This could see go on YouTube. I'm why not? Let's just create a YouTube account and do it because why not? I actually look presentable today. Most of the time Same. I don't. Same. Um, all right. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Well, we'll see. <laughs> that's whitley's whitley speak for it won't happen for another like three months <laughs> correct <laughs> um so the french and the dutch initially tried to profit from native americans when they landed here by employing them as right. guides hunters fishers trappers which you know that seems 
fine. They're not like no, like you're paying them forcing for forcing them into labor. Right. You're like paying them to teach you how to live there. Right. I think that's Which fair. It's pretty garbage, right? If you think about the long game here, because they're like, oh, we're gonna create this like fairy tale beginning with you, and then down the road, like we are going to mass murder you, sell you into slavery, all the fun stuff that comes along with colonization. Well, but also from like the Native Americans point of view, they're like, oh, like they're going to pay us for our knowledge and stuff. And that could look like a long term situation. But like you're teaching them to live without you. Therefore, you wouldn't get paid anymore anyway, eventually. Right. So like both things are kind of fucked up. Right. I mean, the but at least you're paying at least they were like paying them for their knowledge and weren't just like taking it for free with their guns like we typically do anyway. Yeah, it didn't last long, though, because well, <laughs> <a> whole <laughs> three years. Um, hey, so they gave it a good old fashioned colonial try. Uh, so the the Jamestown colony was established in 1607. And when they landed, they just expect expected the tribes in the area. The Powhatan uh, was the name of the tribe to support them as the first colonists had no idea what they were doing honestly i'm just gonna say the native americans could have taken that opportunity just murder them all on the spot save themselves a lot of trouble but they didn't because they also regret doing not doing that probably so i feel like that was actually a pretty nice gesture on behalf of the indigenous peoples like these people are coming here like asking to learn about the land and then they flip it on you and within yep. three years of their arrival, the first war breaks out between the natives and the English, and they're enslaved as prisoners of war at this point. Crazy. I cannot. And here's the where the real-life Pocahontas comes in. So um, the first war between this tribe and the English colonists uh, was when John Rolfe married Pocahontas who was the daughter of the Powhatan chief. So that's a, that's a fun little Disney movie that came out of that tragedy. You mean uh, they didn't fall in love and they saved everybody. And then she lived happily ever after in England. That didn't mm-hmm. happen. No, it did not. Uh, hmm. So there will be two more wars between the Jamestown colony and the Powhatans. Um, but after the third one, they made kind of a makeshift peace and continued to engage in trade with each other. Um, but, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. After the first two wars, they made a makeshift peace, engaged in trade, and then there was a third war mm. and the Palatine Confederacy was dissolved and a lot of the members were sold into slavery outside of North America. Gotcha. So then we talk about the New England colonies to the north of Jamestown. So here we start to see disputes over land and trade rights, which increases tensions between um, the Pequots and the colonists in the 1630s. And that eventually, no shocker here, leads to the Pequot War. and this is the first evidence of wide-scale enslavement of Native Americans by colonists. So the war ends and the captured Pequots were given as slaves to two other tribes who had allied with the English. So they're given as rewards to other tribes. Um, so here's an example of where Native Americans are in this interesting position where you know, they accept these slaves, not realizing that down the road that they would potentially be slaves themselves so like were they taking them as slaves or was it still in the mindset of like indenture servitude well yes i mean the concept of not that there's like much of a line splitting the two but just curious like if it says you know if there was like a legitimate like they're gonna be slaves or if eventually they'll be able to work themselves out of the situation yeah, I think it probably took a different turn when you're looking at how the tribes viewed it versus the colonists. Mm. So there are like 
when I was reading there, I don't know all four of them, but there's like four tenets that make something slavery. And one of them is displacement from your homeland into a different region that you don't know. So I would imagine since mm. these tribes were in the same area, they, it, it might fall more under servitude because these people weren't displaced to like a different country. They were still in North America. They okay. were still with people who had, you know, not the same, but similar cultural identities, at least the like, in terms of like tribalism and the way you live. Um, so the English, however, I think you would want to consider slavery because the Pequots that they kept from the war, they sent to the colony of Barbados and forced them to work on sugarcane plantations. So most of the slaves would die within the first year or even few months of being in Barbados, is which this is, sorry, is this the first instance of slavery altogether or just like in colonial situations? Um, that I don't know. I think that would take more of an analysis on trying to determine, which I didn't do this research on like the difference between servitude and slavery as a concept. Um, gotcha. just, I mean, not that it's a big deal. I'm just curious, like where the, the mindset of even doing it would had started, which would probably be a good story for us to cover later anyway. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's true. I mean, at some point it had to become slavery versus forced servitude. Right. So, I mean, this could have been the first instance. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we know the first instance of transatlantic shipment of people was with Columbus in the right. 1500s, 1400s, 1500s. Um, but I mean, this could have been happening in Europe this whole time, like yeah. people between countries. I just thought this was an interesting narrative because it shifts the paradigm that slavery was only black people in the U.S. Oh, yeah, we know that sure. it's much more sinister past than that. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm trying to downplay that at all. I just think this is important interesting context to hear that we don't always get this side of the story like we i think we all know that native americans had a really rough time and faced a lot of um that's not the right word i was going to say desecration but i feel like that's when you like pull somebody out of their grave or something um but destruction and genocide is probably the best right. terms for it um yeah well and even then like i mean I really only remember in school talking about like the trail of tears and how limited the tribes were at that time and how even more limited the number of people in their tribes were after that. And then they were only given, you know, so many reservation, like, uh, acres for reservations. Other than that, I don't remember covering any of it at all. Well, actually, not a lot of history, like, documentation exists of Native American slavery. And when I was reading, most of it tends to exist in the Carolinas. Um, mm. They had good documentation there of, you know, what slaves were sold, um, who they were sold to, where they were shipped to. Um, so that's where my understanding is that most of our um, knowledge of Native American slavery by the colonists is from. Um, so there, there's this vast unexplored world, really, of Native American slavery and Native American involvement in slavery, in the slavery right. trade. So it's a very, that's why I thought this topic was very interesting, because it's a very complex position that Indigenous peoples are put in. Mm -hmm. Because one, they want to be on the side of the English for political reasons, but also on the other side, you know, the English are harassing some tribes. So it's a very interesting political dynamic going on at the same time. Gotcha. So let's go to King Philip's War. And this is where we start to see mass enslavement of Native Americans. So um, King Philip was also known as Metacom. Um, he was a Native American chief of the Wampanoag Confederacy. And he just is known as King Philip um, by the colonists of New England. Um, but so they gave, I'm sorry. So they gave a Native American tribe leader the nickname of King Philip? It, 
let me backtrack that because I don't know who gave him the nickname, but that's just what he's referred to in English history and documentation. His name is Metacom, his tribal name. And so we just don't use his tribal name? I mean, we can. I just feel like that goes hand in hand with us, like whitewashing history. Not us, like you and me. Just like. If I had to take an educated guess, I would say that, yes, the English gave him this nickname because he was the son of the chief who helped the first pilgrims at Plymouth Colony learn how to survive and establish themselves. So he's got strong links. I don't think I've ever heard of him being called King Philip. That's new to me. Hmm. Okay. Well, he has a whole whole war named after him. Uh, Interesting. Okay. I'm here for this. So Medicom, his father was the one who created the Pilgrim Wapanoag Peace Treaty with the first governor of Plymouth, John Carver. So he's a descendant of the first chief who helped establish and help the Plymouth Pilgrims. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So, of course, the father dies. This treaty is honored uh, essentially until he dies. And then there is a new assistant governor that comes in around the same time, Josiah Winslow, and and he initiates policies that are anti-Indigenous. So he starts taking more and more land from the tribe until Medicom or King Philip, whichever you want to decide to call him, he takes a stand to protect Georgie. Sorry. He That's takes okay. a stand. Theodore was eyeing me because he heard her. What is on your face? Oh, I think she chewed a pen somewhere. Oh, I'm calling Dog ink. Protective Services. She, oh, yeah. She, oh, it's a marker. It's a marker. She has Wait, blue marker on her face. <laughs> God. Oh, no. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> uh, King Philip slash Medicom finally decides he wants to protect his people, their way of life, and protect their land. So this war raged for over a year until King Philip was killed by one of his own men, actually, um, Mm. in 1676. Why is this paragraph so bulky? (laughs) it's like is she frozen no i'm not so there's there's another tribe that's involved in this um the narragansetts uh was another tribe they were neutral during the war um but despite being neutral they were attacked killed and sold into slavery during the war um so they did maintain neutrality but they did agree to take in the wounded women and children other non-combatants um of the Wapanoag tribe. So to the English colonists, in their view, the Narragansetts had forfeited their neutral status by aiding the other tribe in the war. Um, Mm. So this caused the colony to go in and kill 600 Narragansett um, individuals, mostly women and children, and those of the other tribes who had been given refuge by the Narragansetts. So the surviving members of this tribe were then sold into slavery. So both the combatants and the non-combatants were sold. So these aren't prisoners of war anymore. These are just like people who are living their lives, but somehow get wrapped up in this war because they're literally just trying to help. They are now sold into slavery. But the the it gets worse than that. A lot of Native Americans, you know, there was there was one camp of Native Americans who were like, we're fighting to the death, this is for honor. And there's another camp who are like, well, if we surrender, maybe they'll show some leniency. Didn't yeah. happen. They even sent the individuals who surrendered, sold them into slavery as well. Even though they were surrendering and saying like, hey, like, we respect your authority we're surrendering they're now slaves so a lot of these 
members of these tribes were sent to Jamaica, Bermuda, and other English colonies, or were shipped to work down south in the tobacco fields of Virginia. Yeah. Now we get into um, the story of the Westos group. So the English colonies are expanding, which means Native American slave trade is expanding and is in large part facilitated by Native American tribes. So back earlier, I mentioned that Carolina is a big source of information that we have from this period. So Carolina was founded in 1663, but the settlers in the region had already been engaging in enslavement of Native Americans through a tribe called the Westo tribe. Um, And they helped to enslave thousands who were then shipped out of the country. So this is another example of a Native American tribe working with the English to enslave other Native Americans. Mm. And they operated entirely from financial self-interest and became seen as the enemies of all the surrounding tribes. Um, and the interesting thing, so they end up in the Carolinas, but they were originally, they originally lived in the present day Lake Erie region, migrated south and first enter our historical records in July of 1661, when they destroyed a Spanish mission in Georgia. So they, they, they come south seeking fortune They quickly monopolize a slave trade, raiding other tribes and selling the captives to the colonists. And this continued until the Shawnee brokered a deal with the colonists in trade and allied with them to destroy the West Oaks completely in 1680. So this is wild Hmm. because this tribe, the West Oaks, are kidnapping other Native Americans, selling them to English colonists, right? So this sounds pretty beneficial for the colonists. But then the Shawnee yeah. tribe comes in. I'm not sure what the details of the deal were, but they're like, hey, we got to get rid of this Westos tribe. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so the surviving members of the Westo tribe were then enslaved themselves. Wow. So like wow. they're engaging with these European colonists thinking that they're actually saving themselves from slavery and they find themselves right in the heat of it and becoming so slaves the themselves. Westos are basically doing like the dirty work for the colonists mm-hmm. and then the shawnee are like well you're not going to be doing that to us so then they broker a deal with the colonists that causes them to fight the westos and the shawnee and then anybody who was left the colonists were like actually we'll take you yeah it's right? like a really bad pyramid scheme that's what i was thinking i was like this sounds like <laughs> I don't even know what that sounds like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Native American tribes are participating to try to protect themselves, and then they end up just falling victim to it as well. Damn. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that indigenous individuals had, one, a higher potential to free themselves. And this is because they're surrounded by other tribal groups who are facing the same issues. So if they're just living with English colonists in North America, then there's a likelihood that they have a better connection of individuals to help them escape enslavement within North America. Mm. But they're also, in terms of shipping them out of the country, they become ill very quickly because of European illnesses. So they don't have the immune systems to be able to fight off those illnesses and a lot of them died within months of leaving the country so crazy what happens it gets replaced by african enslavement Mm. because people start to think that the native americans are weak they're not valuable they're not profitable because you buy them and then they die you don't get really a good investment out of them so they say okay well Africans are much hardier. They seem stronger. That's where we go next. Here's a thought. Maybe let's just like not buy and sell people. I mean, I know that's crazy. But (laughs) let me go on a limb here. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) It actually like gets to the point like that 
Native Americans are so quickly dying off when they're shipped out of the country that um, countries like Barbados in 1676 decided to ban indigenous enslavement because it was just more dangerous than it was like helpful. And it was also very interesting too, in 1542, the Spanish crown outlawed Native American slavery under all circumstances because they considered them to be physically weaker than African slaves and they were making an attempt to protect them, which is very interesting. I so love like, how we go from, I literally don't care. I'm going to work you to your bone, like you to your bones, like till you freaking die to, oh, you can't handle the diseases we gave you. So now we are going to protect you. Like, mm, sounds a little like narcissistic to me. Well, the unfortunate part is that even though a lot of people start to become against Native American slavery, Europeans find that they just have gotten so used to having this easily attainable pool of slaves in North America that to, to get around this um, illegalization of Native American slavery, they say, okay, well, they're not slaves. We're actually civilizing them and Christianizing them. Shut up. So they just reframed it to say that we are turning them towards Christians and the oh, Bible for salvation. Crash. Yes. We are, we are the dumpster. We are, a fly would not even land on us. Trash. What is that? I don't know what that is. There's not a word for that. Trash on fire. Trash on fire is beautiful. This is not like com comparatively. I can, are you kidding me? So I just, yeah, I just needed to tee this up because I didn't want the next episode where I'm talking about Native Americans enslaving Black people to come off as like, oh, well, like white people aren't the only people who enslaved Africans and like brought them over and engaged in slave trade. I wanted to introduce this because I think this is a very important and complex part of the Native, Native American community and go over the reasons that they engaged in slavery because it was protective. They saw it as protective for themselves. We all know now that that wasn't the reality, but if you're living in that time and you're like, okay, this is a scary situation. Like how can we become friends with these colonists and try to save ourselves? Do what the Romans do. When in Rome. When in Rome. So yeah, that's just like a tee up for next week and um, just making sure you know, people understand that, you know, this isn't, at least for the Native Americans, this isn't about e being evil. This is about self-preservation. And I'm not saying that that makes it right, but I feel like this complex history of we enslavement within Native American communities and how they participate in the slave trade is very important to tee up. So that's, that's it. Yeah. I'm done for this week. Next week, we'll get into Native Americans owning African slaves. My blood pressure is high. Well, then I can't wait to talk about Miranda rights. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I was like, this MFR literally invited me and is not even sitting in front of this like microphone. I'm so annoyed. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Because Whitley made me stop. So now you all... Well, you're all listening to it for the first time. Whitley has to listen to it yet again. Um, and my intro is probably not going to be as good as it was the first time. Sorry. So how dare you? Um, okay. So as we talked about earlier, we're talking about the Miranda rights. Um, and we're going to March 2nd, 1963. So a, just, you know, a little teeny bit after your story. Um. And there are going to be some trigger warnings, like, so if, if you can't handle, like, essay type of things, like, please scooch, like, 15 seconds ahead of where I'm about to go. But um, an 18-year-old Phoenix woman goes to police and says that she's been abducted, driven to the desert, and raped. Uh, the detectives who are trying to figure out like what happened? Is this true? Is this false? Like, who do we need to be looking for? What kind of car? All that good stuff. Um, also gave her a polygraph test. 
and the results came back inconclusive. Uh, but during this time, they um, had also gotten from her a car description and they were able to then narrow down a license plate. And this brought them to Ernesto Miranda, who previously this, the like sheriff's office and the police are very much aware of because he has a record for being a peeping Tom already terrible off to a terrible start. We are, because you know, I love my stories to be worser and worser. So, um, I want a shirt. We need to create a store. We need more people to listen so we can create a store so I can get a t-shirt that says worser and worser. I just want to um, know. I don't know if worser is a word though. It's not, but I like using it. Cause I just, oh, okay. Makes- I just, I, I figured you knew that, but I just yeah. needed to clarify to our listeners that we, we do, we are aware that that is not a real <laughs> We are very much aware it's not a word, but I I just like, I want it on a t-shirt because I just feel like that really embodies like the stories I bring to the table most of the time. Emily's tagline, worser and worser. Yeah, worser and worser. Sounds like a bad law firm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I could go back in time, I would become a lawyer and that would be, that would be my law firm. Love it. Okay. So anyway, um, so they had a lineup. She does not identify Miranda in said lineup, but due to the fact of his, you know, record and her description of the car, they bring him in for an interrogation. But what happens next is like, he said, he said, they said, she said, they said. But officers say they left the interrogation with a confession. Miranda later says, no, 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 no. And he recants. Because he's saying that he was not aware that he could be in the interrogation room with the police asking questions and not say anything. He was under the impression that if I'm in an interrogation room and the police are asking me questions, I have to give an answer. So the confession was like super small. They're just like, did you do this? And he was like, yes. And kind of was, it was a little different in certain aspects from her initial account when she went to the police. Um, But the defense attorney that, Miranda had who was appointed it wasn't like he hired them um it was and that person was paid a hundred dollars um did not call any witnesses at the trial and Miranda was convicted so he is sentenced and is serving his sentence in the uh one of the Arizona state prisons and the American Civil Liberties Union so the ACLU take up his appeal and claim that the confession was false and coerced. The Supreme court overturns his conviction, but (laughs) Miranda was retried and convicted yet again in October of 1966. So he's in prison until 1972. He leaves prison. Okay. He then does not get to like live his life of luxury and be like, you know, I, I love prison and let me try to like overturn my life and, and be on a better path. No, Whitley, he's in a men's room of a bar after a poker game in January of 1976. So only four years later, stabbed to death. Yeah. That's worse than gambling away your actual human existence to a life of servitude as in my story. Correct, correct, correct. So um, because of the overturnment, overturning of his conviction by the Supreme Court, um, June 13th, 1966, the Supreme Court hands down their decision And this is where we get the establishment of the principle that um, 
everybody should be advised of their rights before police interrogate anybody. Um, so even though he doesn't like live this miraculous life and, um, you know, go on to do great, beautiful, wonderful things after prison, he does award everybody this essential criminal right, I guess. Um, so now you hear that everywhere, your favorite police dramas, like, you know, law and order SVU. Um, but now because it's considered police standard and procedure, you have to hear, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed to you. Dun, dun. <laughs> law and order sound effect. Yes. And that is how we have the Miranda rights. It is a very interesting way that cases get to the Supreme Court because what happens is organizations like the ACLU, for example, mm -hmm. will find the perfect case. Not all the time, but like looking, the ACLU may have just like saw the case and was like, that's wrong, we should jump in here. But like right. a lot of times those cases come to the Supreme Court because they're cherry picked from a bunch of similar cases and they find the perfect one that they know that the Supreme Court can't ignore, which is so bizarre to me. I just think the Supreme Court is such an interesting concept in our country and how much influence they have is incredible. Um, yeah. This one though is directly relating to like your right to silence. So that makes a lot, this one makes a lot of sense. It's not politicized. It's like, literally you have the right to remain silent. Like you can plead the fifth, like you don't have to say anything. Right. I'm like torn because I feel like this is such an, like something so important came out of it for sure. Like you should be very much aware that you don't have to say any single thing to anybody. Um, especially if you think that it's going to hurt you in a criminal court case or something. Um, but at the same time, it's like, like he is such an icky person. So it's, I, I'm just torn on I get why the ACLU exists and like organization organizations that are like that. And I get the purpose of them. And I think they're such a great thing to have, but I just feel like a lot of situations and like a lot of cases that they tend to pick. I'm just like, like that's icky. Yeah. I think this like, could one you is not like, make your point with a different case. Maybe, but like, if it presents itself and it's a good opportunity, if you're, you're, they're kind of going to bat for the greater good here because there could be instances where the police are actually coercing a confession. Oh, which not they just hundred percent did at this yeah, time. And just be like, this, this helps protect everybody, which is the good part about it. I do agree. Oh, it sure. is very like interesting that the Miranda rights are named after this individual. Mm -hmm. Um, because like you said, they're, they've kind of got this icky vibe about them. Yeah. Um, but it is a good right that, you know, everybody should be aware of because we all know that minorities and individuals in lower socioeconomic statuses tend to be the target of police quite often. And they are the ones For most sure. likely to not, one, be able to afford a lawyer or two, know their rights. Well, and like this case in particular is not as, I guess, terrible be in a sense, um, outcome wise, because the ACLU still did something that they set out to do. Like they helped create a situation where not everybody, you know, they they know their rights and police have to tell you what your rights are, even if you don't know right off the rip, um, but he was like the, the justice system, like still did what it was supposed to do. And they still reconvicted him. Um, but I just feel like there's so many instances where not just the ACLU, I'm not trying to pick on them. Be, they're just here because they're part of this particular story we're talking about, but there's so many organizations and, and people who go to bat for people that I just feel, I just feel like everybody deserves 100% their day in court 
but there are like so many individuals that should not be in jail that you should try helping instead of people that are like hurting someone and hurting other people and other groups of people. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all just... about opportunity to present a case that doesn't have any holes in it because, you know, when they take a case to the Supreme court, they will like vet everybody involved, like background checks. If there's yeah. like anything shady about you, like, obviously there was something a little shady about this guy, but like you have to find those opportune cases like, but then I it mean, sucks because, like, then the justice system doesn't always do its job the second time, and then they get out. Yeah, I mean that's a fair assessment. It's it's just I've always been intrigued by the process of how things get to the Supreme Court. It's very interesting, and it is very much based on belief, mm-hmm. and po- like political belief. Yeah, and just opinion, too. Like there, you have like what? What is it? Eleven. 12, 13. How many people are in the Supreme Court? 13? Nine. 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 <laughs> I don't even live here. Um, but there are nine people that are deciding the fate of not only individual cases, but just like laws as in general for the entire country that are biased. Yes. And that blows my mind. Everything, everything is biased. Every single thing. Well, there's a very interesting podcast that I listen to called Throughline, and mm-hmm. they have a whole episode on the Supreme Court. Or wait, is it Throughline or is it more perfect? One of the two. I can't remember. It's been a while since, like a couple of years since I listened to the episode, but it's what really catapulted me in. I think it might have been more perfect. Because it's like specifically about Supreme Court cases and it dives deep into different cases, how they got to the Supreme Court, like why they were chosen. It's very interesting, but it's called the political thicket. Like the Supreme Court was never meant to be deciding these highly political cases, but they have become this hyper political organization. Like, yeah, it's it's so hyper political that you're either left or you're right. And it just like it sucks. Because you don't have, at no point is anything unbiased. Right. And I mean, the Supreme Court's not supposed to be making the laws. They're supposed to be (laughs) not executing the laws. Just upholding. Yeah. Sort of. Almost like like enforcement. Yeah. Like of of the Constitution. Yeah. But that's also the thing is. First, I mean, this is definitely not where we're supposed to, like, this has nothing to do with anything, but my personal opinion is that the constitution is outdated. It's such an outdated document. Yes. But two, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Like you can take that document however you want and spin it to fit whatever you need it to fit. Right. And And that's that's why I feel like no matter like nothing at any point is unbiased well there's even different like terms for how different justices view the constitution because some people like look at it as we have to interpret it in the scope of today's time but then you have somebody like um the late justice scalia who's what's called an originalist and he believes you're supposed to interpret the text exactly how it's written yeah. Like you're not supposed to take the rest of the world into context. So like that's why you know people who are originalists like oh yeah, the right to bear arms, that also means an AR15. When back then they're just running around with like pistols and muskets that half the time don't even shoot off because they're like terrible guns. Well, but as an originalist, like would you not then be like I can only have a musket? Because as an originalist, that's the that's what they were working with at that time. But they're not taking into context. They're taking directly into their view the words only. And the words don't mention what type of weapon. It just says arms. So they interpret it as all weaponry. You have the right to bear it. I want us as a society to find a way to communicate with those in the afterlife, like in a legitimate way and 
just like ring up Ben Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Just ring them up. They'd probably be like, what the hell are you all doing? Still reading this as if it's the 1700s. Well, George Washington 100% would say, what the fuck are you doing? Because we were not supposed to have two-party system and here we fucking are. Literally, he left office and said, do not have a two-party system. And what happened? Here came Adams and Thomas Jefferson (laughs) saying like, oh, let's have a two-party system. (laughs) But anyway, that's how I feel. Yeah, we could go down this rabbit hole for a long time about the Supreme Court and the politicization of these court cases, which is exactly why we're at the point now where we're discussing turning over these landmark cases like Roe v. Wade that have been precedent for decades. But now somebody else wants to interpret the document differently, the document from the 1700s, might we add, and it completely changes the impact it has on all current Americans, which is yeah. very problematic. And but, very scary. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Because then like all of our rights, the judicial system is there to protect our rights. But now they're and in now a position. we're about to have like no rights. Right. Where they can retract them. Which so. at the end of the day, though, is very scary for everybody. Because if you can retract Roe v. Wade and the right well, it's not even a right. It's any right that has come from Roe v. Wade. Then like joke is on everyone else who's like, yeah, like let's take back Roe v. Wade because then that means essentially that we can have the right, like we are able to roll back any right we have and have like any law that we've created since the constitution. Yeah, let's go full circle back to my story of how these Native Americans enslaved other Native Americans to protect themselves, but then they soon learned that be when they started to do that and open the door to it, they also opened the door to vulnerabilities themselves. Mm-hmm. Look at that. We never learn. No, we don't. That's the and we'll talk about name. this. We never and learn. A couple people on our listener list will listen to this and they'll say that we're dumb. And then in a couple years, they'll be like, wow, remember that one time we listened to that podcast and we should have learned, but we didn't. This is us predicting the future. You heard it here first, ladies and gents, and all other individuals who do not identify as either a lady or a gent. A they, them. A they, them. A zizay. Oh, we love a zizay. You heard it here first, the psychics of the future. And then I want some like mystical music at the end. Perfect. I wish I just had like a... What are those? Those bells you just run your hands across? I am very lucky that I make the sound effects because if I were you and I was editing that audio, I would definitely make that stupid audio into some annoying jingle. Well, yes, but also, which I feel like you should because you owe me after you made my (laughs) it's getting hot in here one. Um, But are you talking about wind chimes? Oh, wind chimes. (laughs) You threw me when you said bells and I was like, you're doing the motion of wind chimes, but like, but you're saying bells. So I'm not sure what you're saying. Yeah, wind chimes. I freaking hate it here. <laughs> what are those? Those bells you just run your hands across? Are you talking about wind chimes?